0: Welcome to Made in Asia, the podcast for entrepreneurs and creators in the experience and transformation economies in Asia. In this second episode, we sit down with Zhao Ju, executive chef of Holy Folk Fokuro, Le Garçon Saigon, Le Petit Saigon, and Canto Disco. Zhao grew up in Taiwan, where he was first exposed to food and all things around the kitchen. Having moved to Canada, he's starting to get active in the kitchen in a professional way and really honed his skills after moving to a couple of Michelin star restaurants in Sydney. There he also started his own first two concepts. He then came to Hong Kong to set up Holy Fook with the Black Sheep Restaurants Group. And in the six years he's been in business, there has been no looking back. Definitely a must try on a Hong Kong food circuit. This eatery brings together Asian flavors and is heavily influenced by Chinese cuisine. Jao is always active and keeps an open mind when it comes to approaching the way he cooks and what he cooks, and we look forward to learning from him today. So, Jao, welcome. Uh, how's it going today? Yeah, it's going okay today, yes. Yeah, yeah. busy days for you. Uh, uh, obviously, we're in a pandemic, right? We can't deny that. Uh, how's um, How's that been for you?
1: Uh, on a whole, you know, for, for business, it's been a very challenging year, uh, having to... Pivot constantly, uh, the business in different directions uh, as the pandemic goes on, the legislation changes, uh, the social distancing uh, measures mandated by the government, table sizes. uh, So all these come into play uh, constantly Hmm. and we have to shift the business direction at
0: all. It's been a bumpy ride so far, right? It's been quite uh a... a wild ride. Let's put it this way. Yes, right? definitely a wild ride. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had something similar before? Or is this like definitely a first?
1: Uh, definitely a first. You know, uh, especially in terms of um, how different the business had to change. Okay. You know, um, for most of my career, it's been working and operating dining restaurants. Okay. But all of a sudden, having to switch uh, to different platforms like delivery and takeaway uh no dining customers this is definitely something that's uh dramatically different than what i've been doing in the past right so
0: okay now we'll talk about delivery maybe more in a minute but uh i read in um in an interview of yours that you said my job is to provide an experience to people right so mm. very on point with uh with this topic of this podcast so what makes the experience in a restaurant obviously as a background as a chef you come from a food centric focus i guess but where how do you piece it together when you look at restaurants you've had a few in your career so far right This is your fifth or even more than that seven if you scale it up Uh, maybe let's give the name so you started out first one where you had your own input was in sydney right yes yes miss g's miss g's and then mr mr Wong. wong yes and then you moved to Hong Kong. Moved right? to Hong Kong, opened this. Okay.
1: Yeah. So this, I would say, yeah, this is the
0: third restaurant. Third restaurant. Opened. And yes. then you were involved in uh, Canton, uh, disco, right?
1: Canton Disco, right? Uh, Canton Disco, Fukuro, Le and
0: Saigon. Okay. Yeah. So we're looking at, uh, at at six. Yeah. So far, yes. Yeah. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it has been a lot. Bit of work. Uh-huh. So
0: so obviously very different restaurants, maybe Canton Disco and here, uh, Holy Fook are somewhat similar, right?
1: Uh, similar, yes, in terms of uh, the food and approach, but uh, Canton Disco is more refined, more upscale in
0: terms okay. of experience. Like some cousins of sorts, right? Yes. But um, so when we talk about experience, where do you, and you've created different ones uh, in different parts of the world, where do you, is your hook the food? Is That's the first thing you think about what kind of dishes you gonna look for uh, serving, or how do you go about? And when you say your job is to provide an experience, where do you start that experience? Where does the journey start? The
1: uh, the food is the focus, like right. primarily, um, and how to compose the dishes uh, and formulate some ideas around. Composition of the dishes—that's the starting point.
0: When you say composition of the dishes, that's like ingredients, like a fish and veggie and meats and and starches, or is it more on the menu how they line up?
1: Um, f- yes, how uh, the composition dishes of what I mean, like how it's put together okay. on a dining table okay. as an experience, or oh, like serving mm-hmm. style, family style,
0: or plated individual. This- that's right. That's okay, right. Yeah,
1: or the or the, the dishes that put together that make up. A meal, okay, for uh, the end consumer,
0: okay. Right.
1: Uh, so, f- with that in mind, how to put a, a,
0: a, a holistic experience for that as a starting point? Okay. So the customer journey, sort of the the guest, the diner, is your first thought. Like you walk into this restaurant, and then you have the meal as an ex- is that where you sort of the, the perspective you take? That's it. That's it. Okay. So. Okay, the food is a starting point, how, uh,
1: how, how, what kind, what type of dishes, mm. how many dishes, between how many people, what are they going to need to order? Right. Okay, that's the base. And then the next step is, okay, um, how would they be greeted? What kind of beverage program would they have? Yep. Um, if they're having beverages, what kind of beverages specifically? Are they cocktails? Are they wines? Mm. Uh, are they mocktails teas sodas what what make up the beverage program
0: of what they're gonna have Um, What music is gonna be played music's a big part right in all your concepts at least in Hong Kong was it the same in Sydney already with the music Uh,
1: not as much actually but I feel I've taken on more um, the direction here specifically just by default, actually, <laughs> so I just, it I, works, right? I mean. Well, I started making the playlists mm. and then started playing them at the restaurants, mm. and uh, the, the, the response has been sort of overwhelmingly positive or something interesting, the talking point. Mm. So then I just kept on doing it. Okay, so um, like
0: a marketing tool, get them get the vibe across, right? Uh,
1: yes, yes. And how, how? What sort of music would they be playing at a specific space? Mm um
0: does it change all the time or you have like one playlist that goes up and down for well there's there's many different playlists that we have actually different era different
1: genre and uh different tempo okay so they they change from evening to evening uh also different timing of the evening as well as as it progresses so that's that's another aspect Hmm. um so we're talking about the lighting in the restaurant what type of lighting how is how's the dining table going to be lit? Uh, so that's one aspect. Um, and uh, the flow of the experience from from the minute they're greeted, the sit down, the order, the food and the beverage mm. as they consume, the speed of the dishes that which come out, um, and uh, the dessert. That's the whole curating the this, this, this sequence of experiences yeah. uh, is something
0: that we, we take into consideration okay one quick break We gotta move this a bit closer all right um, the uh, so, so let's talk about design interior design obviously holy fuck for those of you who haven't been here uh, elegant street in hong kong definitely a must try uh, if you like asian fusion food right i guess call it chinese influence
1: it's, yeah mostly chinese from different parts of china right uh, Taiwanese dishes and
0: um, yeah, just more freestyle. Yeah. So it's a, just a c- c- collection. Tasty food. I mean, it's good food. Basically, I think that's the bottom line, right? Something that's yes. yeah, really delicious. Um. So uh, in terms of design, um, do you have an interior designer you go to, or you think it's some restaurants spend a fortune, like millions, on interior design? What's your, how much is that of the experience? You know.
1: Um, I mean, we we, we work we work with this architect uh, Sean Dix mm-hmm. who I think is uh, of one of the best designers uh, for restaurants in Hong Kong he's got a very uh, pragmatic um, ideas about a functionality of a restaurant at the same time uh, taking in consideration a design aspect so functionality plus design that's what's what should be consideration when you walk into a space? Um, we also worked with Sean about like some of the elements, uh, cultural elements, uh, for the restaurant terms the design, uh, which is inspired by Hong Kong. Right, like uh, the cats upstairs, right when you walk in. The-, the cats upstairs. That was you know we there was a, just empty wall. <laughs> Except you know we need to fill this wall with something, um, and it's not a Chinese restaurant if it doesn't have a Chinese money cat right and the more the money cat the better the the, the the more money it brings you know more luck it
0: brings so far so good right I mean it's not
1: yes yes you know uh, but that was just like a uh, like a anecdotal conversation yeah but then you know he understood Like, oh yes maybe he's right let's fill this wall we uh, looked at this part of this uh, structure in the coming down the stairs that's inspired by um, uh, a graffiti artist, hmm. uh, a King of Kowloon. And he has, he's passed away now, but he had a lot of work all over, all over uh, Kowloon. Uh, he was illiterate, but he was able to uh, memorize some of the strips and how it's written. Wow. And he had it all written, some of the, uh, the works all over the Kowloon Peninsula. Um, some might call him the godfather of, um uh, graffiti art in Hong Kong. Really? So that's so sort of like an homage, homage to, to that cultural aspect of Hong Kong. Uh, we also contacted a local artist, uh, Jonathan Jay Lee, who commissioned a series of artwork on the walls that is, um, using sort of a comic art. Uh, stencil mm. to illustrate
0: um, different scenes from Hong Kong. So very local artists. And yes. you've much taken Hong Kong your home by now, is it? You've been here over six, seven years? I've been here oh, six and a
1: half years now. Six yeah. Half, so, yeah. you know, I've made this uh, made this home and I've been
0: living in this restaurant for, for the last yeah. six years or so. Big change from Sydney? I mean, do you miss Sydney or is it more like that was a journey? Or what's your...
1: Uh, I do miss Sydney, you know, I think it's a very nice place to live. Um, and, uh, I still hold it very dearly, hmm. uh, made, made some, made some really, uh, close friends over the years. Uh, they're considered my family now. Uh, but yeah, I've, you know, this was a part of coming to Hong Kong was a part of, uh, an essential learning experience for me. Absolutely. Working,
0: living, working in Asia. So when you open two restaurants in Sydney versus Hong Kong or even Shanghai, um, what works in – let's talk about creating experiences and concepts. Is there differences? You say some stuff works better in Sydney or the the diners are just have a different uh, – I mean, it's not only about spending point, but the way you present food, you say composition. How much do you have to adapt your your concept towards what the local market is, is looking for? Or do you just go in, guns blazing, and say, like, guys, this is what it is, and I yeah, hope you like it, you know, uh,
1: I think the compromise? I think when we open, you know – it was uh, like any place. You get the doors open. You start filling out the restaurant, and then you adjust the restaurants, the dishes as you go along. So I think I think opening a restaurant, you will never be a hundred percent ready to go right. when the doors open. You open it at maybe about ninety five percent, more or less. And then as you do more services, as it progresses, then you start to make like minor adjustments um, in terms of like flavor, in terms of actually every part of the service, actually. Okay.
0: And when you look at, when you when you first started Holy Folk, what you paid attention to the most, is that been the most successful, the biggest acclaim, where people say this is really what, or for all, any of your restaurants that where you put the most focus on and you really, I know here you have to, uh, roast goose, right, is a big part of your uh, of the menu, mm-hmm. is, and it's uh, popular. So I guess that kind of worked out. But is there any time you're surprised? You like, well, I, you know, we kind of didn't really spend much time thinking about this, and it really people love it. Is that does that happen? You get surprised sometimes by a success or pop, how things are popular or don't take off.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, um, it's you 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 start with a, a menu in mind, and then. You start finding out well these some dishes are are really popular with the guests, mm. and they become of unofficially the signature dishes, so to speak, right? Which we'll never really intend to be that way, because you can't really say, okay, this is my signature dish, until somebody says, okay, that's the restaurant signature dish, right? right? You know, it's it's not up to you to decide. It's it's the the crowd, the customers, ultimately, decide what really defines a particular restaurant experience
0: you teach yourself up wh- well here with the dumplings right from uh, your mom's recipe I think so that sort of had a, a good story around it that that's easy to to explain to to a guest is that important or is it really just the food tastes good and people go for it
1: well it was the way it's made is um, how my mom would make it at home right. and it's bit, it's different markedly from a lot of restaurant dumplings in that sense. You know, she would use two types of pork. One's minced and one is hand cut. Um, because we didn't have a food processor at home. But that gave uh some texture uh, right. to the dumplings. So you did what you didn't expect. But that's just something that she didn't even think, you know, it's just well out of necessity. Out yeah. Of necessity. yeah. Um and um, we eat the dumpling with it with sacha paste, which is very Taiwanese condiment. Um, but that's sort of unusual outside of Taiwan. Um, so that became the the, I guess how, that's how we ate it at home. Yeah. So, you know, these things that um, uh, we we made a point of making an adamant uh,
0: about became sort of uh, something new. And you're you're very particular about ingredients as well, right? To have um, quality ingredients and then sourcing them from the right places as well. How is that in Hong Kong? I mean, it's a very small territory, right? There's not much land. Is there anything you source locally or do you find things uh, like you mentioned, ingredients from Taiwan or from other places where it's a bit more challenging to get the quality that you want?
1: I think, you know, when we first started, we tried to look – Whatever is around us first. Okay. Whatever, and then we whatever we cannot find, then we look elsewhere. You know, there's there's not a lot of arable farmland. There's no um, uh, cows being uh, raised in Hong Kong on pastures. So you know, they presented some challenges, but um, the good thing about Hong Kong is you can get anything f- f- around the world within Hong Kong. Maybe within
0: forty-eight hours, so that's 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 the plus. So it's easy to source stuff. Um, We did talk at one point uh, some weeks ago that you found a hydroponics guy in Shenzhen for your vegetables. Is that some of your leafy greens? Oh yeah.
1: Well, it's um, we 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 work with uh, we work with this local indoor farming indoor farm yeah um, who has a, a warehouse. In uh, Wong Chuk Hang, hmm. um, sorry, in in Aberdeen, but she, uh, you know, look looks at a space and say, okay, whatever we can do flat, let's multiply it, and it's it's all using uh, irrigated uh, water to yep. grow a lot of these different with um, the lights
0: going and all the that. lights going, yes, and um, so the quality is there. I mean, are you are you? Believer in that? You know, this is the way forward because obviously food is a big, it's not a crisis right now, but it's a, it's be, be becoming an issue globally, right? So, is that, do you think you need to support that because that's how we feed the future or how we feed the people in the future or where do you where do you fit in in, in like food revolution wise? I think arable farmland
1: is now presenting itself as a big challenge globally as a population of the world is increasingly. You know, we projected to be 11 billion people in the next 30 years. And how do you how do you feed all these people? Exactly. So then in order to produce enough food to feed, to support the world's population, we need to look at from unlimited resources uh, of land, how do we produce the maximum amount of food more efficiently? So, the city farming actually re- what I find is that it reduces uh carbon mileage because it's half an hour away yep, right here yeah um it's clean and efficient energy you don't you know it's just a simple setup in uh thousand five hundred square feet space okay. you know it's a very small space it's done on platforms and uh, clean water supply so you know this is maybe maybe this is the future of of city farming you know how do you produce food um to feed a city hmm. um so i'm happy to work with this you know fairly new uh supplier and uh, this company that started doing this and i i suspect there will be more and more
0: uh people taking up indoor 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 hydroponics, hydroponics mushrooms, everything. Would you put it on your menu and saying this is like locally sourced or this hydroponic from Hong Kong? Or I mean, do you push it towards the consumer that they understand what you're trying to do, or do you think this depends on the concept of the restaurant? Or you normally would say, "Well, this is behind the scenes," you know, this is.
1: Uh, If somebody asks, yes,
0: yeah, um,
1: but I don't really, I don't really have. Attach this as a particular narrative because good shopping is my job, already, right? To get the best ingredients. Yeah. You know, just as long as just as long as I know that uh, at the end of the day, I'm trying to shop the best that I could uh, at a fair price point, that I can pass on this to the consumer and cook it and treat it the best ability that I can then I can go to sleep at night. You know, that's, that's, that's the more important. But people want to know this. I'm happy to, uh, you know, expand on what they, the dishes that they've had, where these things come from. You know, if, if, if if so, they want, they wish to know.
0: Makes sense. And the bigger trend now is obviously, uh, beyond meat, omni pork and all that, uh, sort of, Fake meat, if you want to call it. What do you make of that? Is that future stay or look, do you, you work know, with it? Uh, what do you do? I have worked with it. I think
1: it's, uh, it's, a, I think it's a good product at the very infancy. Um, and I think it's a good alternative because if we keep increasing the populations the way we are, we're going to have to produce much more protein to feed the world's population which means that we have to clear more land to raise more animals. Uh, And maybe that's there's such a limit in finite resources of land that we have already. Uh, Water as well, right? That's right. Water and land, yeah. So maybe this is the way forward, you know, to supplement this or even encouraging people to adopt a more plant-based
0: diet. When you cook at home, what do you? What's your normal? Uh, I mean, do you pay attention what you eat? Do you just cook what's good? Or I mean, you now have a young son as well, so has that shifted at all? Uh, uh, well, I mostly cook uh,
1: vegetables hmm. uh, and some seafood. Okay, that's 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 at home. That's mostly what we what we do do eat. Very healthy diet. Yes. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. But yeah, mostly plant based at okay. home. Yeah. And in your menu, do you think about sort of nutritional value, anything like that? I mean, is it more structuring the menu or is it you really focus on the flavors or does it come in at any point? Oh, I mean, that when, when I talk about composition of a meal, um,
1: and this comes from a menu matrix of, okay, maybe there are some uh, poultry products, some meat, some seafood, some vegetables. Uh, we starches, can, noodles right that's right yeah. So we always recommend uh, a, a selection that you can make up from any of these things to make a complete meal. Um, you know of course someone wants to order everything deep fried we would recommend maybe you want to uh, order the, a salad or something to you know but we can always, always always make the recommendation but ultimately the consumer has a choice
0: right. Uh, at a la carte restaurant, how they want to make up a meal. And and service, obviously, uh, you work with uh, Black Sheep here, which is very strong on tracking the CRM side. Uh, how important is service and consistency and and training? I mean, in general, on both sides, you have a lot of training that needs to go on to deliver the product. So how much time do you spend training uh, talent or new talent as well?
1: I think this business, the the... Constant evolution, um, and also the turnover is historically high in this yeah. business. So then that means the training is ongoing, all the time. Well, constantly training and retraining and training and retraining the staff as we go along. Um, and uh, I have colleagues that are really really good at the service trainings. Um, but yeah, this is something that we we drill constantly on, okay, we update a menu, we do a training. We update the uh, beverage menu, we need to do a training. We we'll update uh, cocktails, we need to do a training. Then we constantly need to do a service training. Just remind, um, you know, at each different venue, uh, a s- s- specific service uh, that's tailored to this particular venue. Uh, so that's, that's a big part of the challenge is providing uh,
0: a constant training program for the staff. Hmm. And here you only serve dinner, right? Holy fuck. Uh, at the moment, yes. Yeah. For your other restaurants is mostly dinner as well or uh,
1: there's some restaurants that are open also open for lunch, okay. some open for breakfast
0: service or breakfast as well. Okay. Any difference for you around the 3 or you've had a choice you are fine with one service of dinner or
1: uh, you know, I think I think the the lunch service and dinner service is very different. Um also the spending power is very different at lunch compared to dinner. Um so then the style of cuisine, the composition will have to be different as well. So uh but yeah, so far we ju- we've just fired all the fire uh, the firepower that we have on dinner service. But if we were to do a lunch service it would be a totally different ballgame. Totally different.
0: Yeah, because also in this location, right, we're in Soho. There's not so much foot traffic from the office buildings, so it's a very different crowd that comes here during during lunchtime. That's right. Yeah, what's now popular in Hong Kong is a bit of brunch service. I've seen more restaurants are going to weekend brunches.
1: Yes, you know, I think uh, this is a very strong uh, sector still, uh, but also quite a yeah, a lot of work. Because, uh, f- you know, some people might, it might be a boozy brunch and some restaurants do offer that, uh, which involve a lot of, uh, more, more, more beverage service in that sense. Uh, some do, you know, a buffet style, or you can eat style. And then they offer a different type of service as well. So, but I think, uh, the, the, the brunch, the brunch game in Hong Kong is definitely strong in, in many uh, venues. And, uh, some, some of them work really well.